Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Chapter 47, guys, it's really the continuation of the life of Joseph and his family. So when we come to chapter 47, you recall that they had made the journey from Canaan, right, where they were staying, all the way to Egypt, okay? Now, the Bible tells us that 70 of them came. So there was only 70 at the time. 70 of them came from the land. But we're going to see that 70 is going to journey to Egypt, but 420 years later, they're going to be there for 420 years. Now, if you recall, there, the famine in the land is only going to last five more years. Do you guys remember the dream that Joseph had? Joseph said, well, it wasn't Joseph's dreams. He interpreted the dreams. It was seven good years, seven years of prosperity, seven years of, yeah, this is good, with seven years of harsh famine. Now, it was only going to be famine not only in Egypt, but all over the place. You go, okay, Ben, I'm with you. Yeah, I remember. Pharaoh had the dream. Joseph, that's, that's what it happens, right? But... The last five years, Israel is going to have it so good, guess where they're going to stay? They're going to end up staying in Goshen. And later on in the book of Exodus, we learn something very interesting. We learn that, a, that there arose a Pharaoh who didn't know who Joseph was. He looks at the children of Israel who have now multiplied and said, Oy vey. No, he didn't say that. He's like, oh my goodness. And he thinks that they're going to rebel. So guess what he does? He makes them slaves. Okay? They, he puts hard taskmasters on them. Now, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, okay, so we're, we're going to journey from Canaan. There's a big famine in the land. We know it's seven years. Joseph, our, our boy Joe, is he's the prime minister. Yes! But, but, it, but he tells us, Mom, Dad, listen, Dad, brothers, family, 70, it's only going to be five more years. Now, I'm thinking, okay, we can hang out in Goshen for five, but God called us to Canaan. And so I started thinking about this, but, 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 but it wasn't five, Sarah, it was 420. Okay, and, and so I started thinking about this, and what really stood out to me is what is this principle. What started out good, guys, what started out as a good thing, the children of Israel in the land of Goshen for a season, well, I just often wonder. I wonder that... After about 10 years, should they have been like, okay, this has been great. Now we want to go home. We want to go back to where God called us. We, we want the blessing of what God told us from the beginning. And then it really got me thinking, you go, what do you mean? Well, think about this, okay? I wonder, I wonder if they felt so comfortable in Egypt, so comfortable in the land of Goshen, that they didn't want to go back to Canaan. And then I thought this, the blessing of the world, listen, could counterfeit the real blessing from God. How's that? What are you saying? Yeah, I want you to put on your thinking caps for just a moment, okay? Because we're Christians, we're just passing through. We are not, what, we're supposed to be in the world, just not of the world, right, Joe? But I wonder if sometimes the blessings of the world often counterfeit what God wants for us. You go, whoa, dude, you went heavy in your intro. I I did. Think about this. In life, we have some amazing blessings, okay? We have some amazing blessings on earth. You're sitting next to a blessing. 
You go, what do you mean? Yeah, when, when, when we find a husband, we find a wife, we have a family, whatever it might be. It might be kids. It might be vacations. Man, I had a great vacation. This was awesome. It might be food. Amen. There you go. I was waiting for that, brother. It might be that filet mignon. No, you, you, you like the bigger steak there, Joe. He likes the bigger steak. But it might be food. It might be houses. Guys, all of those, listen to me, are a gift from God. But we must never get so comfortable here on earth that we miss all that God has for us. Guys, I don't want to walk around and go, man, life is so good here on earth. It's so good. And I just, Lord, please don't come back right away because, Lord, I want to get married and I want to have kids and I want to have a house and I want to, I want to get old. I want to sit in front. No, no, no. Those are all great blessings, but don't let that counterfeit the blessing that God has for us. Because, because we don't know what heaven is really going to be like. And it's going to be so super incredible, guys. Paul says, I couldn't even, and I can imagine, I can't even speak what I saw in heaven. The colors. The peace. The joy. So we got to be careful. We gotta be careful. When we're on earth, we have some great blessings. We have great friends. But never let it counterfeit. And never let it hold us too tight that we don't wanna go to our final destination. Our eyes should always be that. Now, back to our text. The one thing, guys, we learned last week in chapter 46 is that it was 34 verses. Do you remember that? But 18 verses was the register of those who came to Egypt. Now, we sort of highlighted it. We didn't read him because it was like this guy and this guy and this guy. So we sort of broke it down like this. In verses 1 through 7 last week, we said that Jacob journeys to Egypt, and then at the end, he's reunited with Joseph. So that really is the text. Now, here's what I was thinking. So Jacob, Jacob is going to leave from where, guys? He's going to leave from Canaan all the way to Egypt. Now, that's a tough trip. But do you remember that he was somewhat doubtful? He was somewhat doubtful. You go, what do you mean? Oh, it seemed like he was sort of dragging his heels, if you will. He was like, uh, okay? Because when he first heard, he's like, ah, I'm not leaving. No, 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 no. And then he's like, he sees the carts and he sees everything. And he's like, mm. But I want you to think about something. I want you to think about something, okay? I want you to put yourself in old Jacob's sandals for a second. Why was he doubtful? Joe, Jacob, you saw the carts. You saw the kids. You saw the boys. But I want you to think about this, okay? The boys come from Egypt, and they tell their dad all that happened 22 years earlier. Hey, Dad, we got to confess something to you. Joseph is alive. What? How is he alive? I saw the coat. Are you kidding me? Well, Dad, here's the thing. It was Reuben's fault. No, I mean, it was Jude. You know, I mean, they, they had to confess that they weren't exactly the most upstanding and righteous boys that he thought. All his life, for the last 22 years, he thought a wild animal had killed his son. And you guys know, as a parent, what could I have done to prevent that? What could I have done? Maybe I should have given him the coat. I don't know. And he thought a million scenarios in his mind. Now the boys come home and they confess. Excuse me? 
And they confess, no, Dad, as a matter of fact, we sold them into slavery. There was a group of Midianites, and they took them to Egypt. And Dad, guess what? He's the prime minister of Egypt. Okay, so you lied before, 22 years. Now you're telling... I, I wonder if Jacob was ever suspicious of the boys, of Joseph really being alive in Egypt. I just wonder. Now, the text somewhat indicates because he stops in Beersheba to offer a sacrifice to God. Notice what it says in chapter 45, verse 27. It says, but when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, when he saw the cards which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, was revived. Then he said, it is enough. My son, Joseph, my son, is alive. I will go see him before I die. Yet, the Bible tells us that he will inquire of the Lord and he offers sacrifices to them. Okay? That's what he says. He says he was somewhat doubtful. Now, here's what I learned over the years. Guys, if you're taking note, most of the time, if you have a check in your spirit about something, it's a really good time to inquire of the Lord. It's a really good time. We all have a tendency to overlook checks. We all have a tendency to go, well, it's something I can live with. You know? And what I found is that if you have a check like, like Jacob did, that's a good time to go, I probably should ask the Lord. I probably should ask the Lord, hey, I, there's a great job opportunity, and it does this, and it does this, and it does. The only one problem is, well, they said they might want me to travel, and blah, 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 and you have a check, it's probably a good time for you to inquire of the Lord. Check with God. That's what Jacob does, right? If you are a believer and you have a very big decision to make, it's always good to inquire of the Lord. And what I mean by that is, guys, we don't seek him the five minutes in the car while you go to work. God, please speak to me. I mean, really seek him. That's the first thing. God, what do you... And then the second thing is seek counsel. Find those you trust, the shepherds in your life you trust, and say, hey, will you pray for me? Here's what's going on. A lot of people don't like to come to the pastor because I don't like what the pastor will tell me. Well, the pastor's going to tell you the truth. Well, he's going to say, I shouldn't take that job, and I just, I just know he's not going to say it. And then, guys, you should always get in the Word of God to see it speak to you. Okay, that's a good thing. Why? Because in chapter 46, 2 through 4, it says this, Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And so he said, I am the God, the God of your fathers. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, and I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt. I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put your hand Put his hand on your eyes. Now, I love this. Why? Because it says that God spoke to Jacob slash Israel in visions in the night. Now, here's what I know. I know that Jacob right now is 130 years old. Okay? And he has a vision. Now, the Bible says that what? <sighs> that young men will dream dreams and old men will see visions. Okay? But Jacob's 130, but he saw a vision. 
So I thought, huh, what does it really mean to be old? Right? So what does it say? Young men will dream dreams, and old men will see vision. Or is it the other way around? Yes, young men will see visions, but old men will dream dreams. And so I say to you, the other day I had a vision to which you say, in your dreams. Right? I had a vision in your dreams, bro. Why? You calling me old? No, I'm not calling you old. But anyway, some of you got it. That's okay. Ha ha ha. Give us the thumbs up if you. <laughs> Anyways, here's the word. Really, here's the bottom line. The word, bottom line is that, that it was God's assurance. Guys, they packed up and they headed down to where? To Egypt, right? First thing you know, old Jacob's a millionaire. Kin folks said, yeah, move away from here. Yeah, that's where they're going. He, but they have the word of God with them. They have God's word with them. And they have that with comfort and assurance. Can I just say this to you? In these last days, it's the word of God that's going to bring praise to your heart. Comfort and assurance right there. And there are times, guys, where we go, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I trust you. Comfort and assurance. Well, guys, when they come to Egypt, remember, Joseph encourages the brothers. He says, hey, when you go to Pharaoh, tell them you're shepherds. That was the last part we talked last week. Tell them you're shepherds. Why? Well, remember, guys, Egyptians were agriculture in the sense of farming crops. They considered sheep unclean, and they detested shepherds. Think about that. An Egyptian looked and said, oh, sheep, yuck, and a shepherd, blah. And you go, yeah, well, that's cool. But if you want to know why the world doesn't like you, because you're a sheep, and the Lord is your shepherd. And the world says, oh, sheep, and it doesn't like our shepherd. doesn't make it any easier, but at least we understand where we're going. The world's not going to like you. It wants to lure you in, but it's never going to like you. So he says, boys, when you go in, tell them you're shepherds. Now, that's where we pick up our story, but I do want to go over quickly our takeaways last week, okay? If you weren't here, the first thing we learned is make sure your tent pegs are not too deep here on earth. Make sure that we're not, we're not, boom, our tent pegs, that they're shallow, okay? That they're shallow. What does that mean? Guys, that we, we, we're free. We're free to serve the Lord. We're free to glorify Him in every way, shape, or form, and we're ready to go. We're not so deep. And in other words, let's not get caught up so deep in bills that we can't do church, that, that we got so many bills that I have to work two jobs. Make sure your ten pigs are shallow. Shallow. Number two, ask God what he has for us. Seek him before every decision, even major and minor. Even so much so, ask God where you should go before you go. Lord, I'm thinking about going to Walmart, but maybe you want me to go somewhere else. So I'm just going to ask. And you feel the nudging that you should go to a market street or you might go somewhere else. And the reason why is because maybe there's somebody there that you need to speak to. Listen, I'm just going in for a loaf of bread, but guess what? I ended up witnessing, I ended up sharing. I ended up encouraging somebody who's really down. It's down and out. Yesterday, 
after we got out the plane, Natalie and I both went to pick up Cordelia from school. And Cordelia has a friend whose mom was there who was very visibly upset, and Natalie asked her, and she goes, oh, man, I've just had a hard day. Natalie stopped on the moment and said, can I pray with you? And just, I was just like, wow. God directed both of us so that Natalie could be an instrument in God's hands. Number three, prepare your mind. Listen to me. Prepare your mind and your heart for your final destination. Our, our hearts and our minds of what's going on down here, prepare. What's God have? What's that going to be like? I'm ready. I want my heart. Maybe some of your heart should be already sent ahead. It's there. And that doesn't mean, Sarah, you don't love and, 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 and have for your kids down here, and you don't, you don't love as hard as you can here, but you're just going, man, I, I, I want my mind and my heart prepared. I'm ready. I'm ready. And last but not least, guys, we learned we're called to live in the world, okay, but not be of the world. Can I get an amen? amen. Because what does the world do? The world, you, you go, man, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm going to pull people, I'm going to bring them up to my level, and nine times out of ten, they end up pulling you down. They got the momentum, man. They got the momentum, and you find yourself going, wow. So, we got to be careful. We got to reach the world. We got to reach the world. We got to reach the world, amen. But we, we, we can't, we've got to be so careful, it will pull us and drag us. Well, that's where we pick up our study. This evening, guys, Genesis chapter 47, he continues on in verse one. He says, now, he says, then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, my father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds and all they possess have come from the land of Canaan. And indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. Verse one is packed. And you go, why? Because check this out, right? He says this. He says, man, the first thing we notice is that he goes to Pharaoh. You go, yeah, dude, of course. But but here's the thing. I totally love and respect that Joseph is second in command of Egypt, yet he honors Pharaoh and he respects Pharaoh. You guys, you guys tracking with me? Why? Because the very first thing he does is he goes and meets with him about the entire family being in Egypt. Now, based on our study, we knew, Pharaoh knew they were already coming. He sent cards. They knows. But I love Joseph's heart, right? And if you're not afraid to write in your Bible, guys, here's a great lesson. We learn humility. And this is what God is calling us to do, is not to walk prideful and upright and look at me, but to walk in humility. You go, how so? Well, the very first thing we must recognize is that God, we need to recognize the God-given authority in our lives. The God-given authority. You go, who's my God-given authority? A lot of times it could be our boss. This is who God places over us if we have a job. Your God-given authority is the pastor whom you call pastor. Not that you have to check. Well, pastor, I was thinking about going to Walmart today. What do you think? No, no, don't call me for that. But the God-given authority, you go, oh, okay, I want to check. The God-given authority in your life is your husband. That's who God placed in your life. The God-given authority in your life is your, is, is your, is your parents. 
you, you understand, this is what he says. He goes, God, I need to recognize that's my God-given authority. Yeah, but he's Egyptian. He's, it doesn't matter. This is who God placed in my life. And we do it all the time, right? We work for some ungodly bosses, some awful bosses. Oh, you don't understand. I don't respect him. He's just a... No, no, no. That's the authority God's placed in your life at this time. That's the first thing I see Joseph. Joseph goes, man. But I also recognize that Pharaoh respects Joseph. But what's going to happen? Eventually, there's a Pharaoh that goes, I don't know who Joseph was. Number two. We must honor that authority with respect. I love the fact that he says, I need to tell my boss what's going on. I need to make sure we communicate. I need to make sure Pharaoh knows what's happening, man. Ben, but it's only 70 people. He'd be all right. I mean, what is 70 in Egypt? No, no, no. I need to honor him. I don't need to ask his permission, but I want to respect him so he knows what's going on. And third, listen... We must learn and live within the boundaries that God has given us. We must learn and live within the boundaries that God has given us, guys. Lord, if we were to, guys, if we were to take these principles to heart, think about what your, what your boss would do. He'd give you more responsibility. He'd give you more. He's like, man, you, you know what? And then I started to think about this, right? Think about this. Well, if Joseph is a, wait a minute. Throughout all of my Jesus' ministry, he was always communicating with the Father, but he says, I'm not going to do anything without, I, I check with the Father. What, what does the Father want to do? Right? I mean, I mean, think about this. Philippians guys tell us that he was equal with God, and yet he always honored God. Jesus was God! But he said, no, I'm going to honor my Father. I don't do anything my father doesn't tell me to do. Jesus, listen to this, listen, l- listen to this, Jesse. Jesus could have went out and picked his disciples by him. He's God. But he, he prayed all night and he honored the father and he picked the right guys. I love that. What a great example. In verse 2, he says, And he took who? Five men from among his brothers. And he presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land, because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. So what happens? Joseph most likely takes his five older brothers. Okay? Now, remember he counseled them. He says, when Pharaoh asks, go ahead and say that. So Pharaoh says, hey, what, what's your job? What do you do for a living? Okay? And they said, hey, man, we're, um, um, we're shepherds. But there's something I want you to know. Okay? He says we're shepherds. But something that just jumped out in the Hebrew that I want you to see that you can underline because I thought it was very interesting. He says, man, we, we, we're, we're shepherds and both our fathers. But look at verse 4. He says, we have come to dwell in the land. You guys see that? If you're an underliner, a highlighter, that's a good place to underline. And you go, why, Ben? I don't understand. Because 
to, to come to, to dwell in the land gives a beautiful indication, guys, uh, that the blessing that we are coming, we're able to come and dwell in the land was because of Joseph. We're coming to dwell in the land, but the reason is, is because, well, remember, Joseph actually saved Egypt from the famine. And the only way that you could dwell in the land was because God had already preordained Joseph to save them. In other words, they couldn't have just come to Pharaoh and been like, hey man, we want to dwell in the land. He'd be like, say what? But because of, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If Joseph is a type of Jesus, remember what the Bible says. The Bible actually tells us in Revelation 13, verse 8, and it says, it says this, All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life. Right? Whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb of life of the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. So it, it indicates here, guys, that even before the world was formed, before the foundation was made, that Jesus was destined to die for our sins. We can dwell in the land because God had already sent his son even before to die for us. Joe, even before you made one sin, even before you were born, Jesus had already paid the price. Now, why do I say that? Here's why. Because... Because sometimes we try so hard and say, so I'm going to work hard and I want God to like me. And if he really likes me, then I should go to heaven. But we need to understand that was already said. We can dwell in the land because of who he is, not because of who we are. Isn't that beautiful? We can dwell in the land because of Jesus, not because of us. And so in the book of Galatians, Okay, there's not a whole lot of works we have to do because the price has already been paid. Guys, you should rest easy tonight. When when your head hits the pillow, it's because of Jesus. You can dwell in the land because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Well, how do you know you're going to heaven? It's Jesus. You get to dwell in the land. God already preordained him. He died for us. Do you guys see how important that is in the word of God? He says, man, we're here to dwell in the land. And then Pharaoh, verse 5, then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph saying, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. Have them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you have any competent men among them, right, make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. And I just love this. Why? Here's what I want you to think. I want you to think blessings. Why? Because we, we've seen already blessed. But now, but now Pharaoh says, okay, let me bless you with the best of the land. Your, your, your family's here? Be blessed. Take the best of the land. As a matter of fact, the second thing he says, he says, um, go over to Goshen. Make sure you have Goshen. What a blessing that is. Why? Because they're not supposed to live in the world. They're not supposed to live in, the, in, in Egypt, the type of the world, but they're going to live and they're going to be part of that in the best of the land. And he says, and by the way, um, if you have any chief, if you, have any, you know anybody needs a job, we're hiring for supervisors. Why don't you tell some of your brothers? And I thought, wow. I am... 
Guys, it's never enough when God blesses us. And when God blesses us, he seems to give us more and more and more. Like getting grain in the famine, that was great. I mean, because we had rumbly in our tumbly, and that was not going to be enough, so we're going we're gonna to be able to eat. This is amazing. But what does God do? God says, no, 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 I'm going to go above and beyond what you think. And that's what blessing means, guys. Because it's not a blessing if you feel like you deserve it. But God goes beyond that. Let me just say this to you, okay? In the same way we have trials and tribulations in life, we also have blessings from God. I love the way that Job put it. Job put it, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Job chapter 2, verse 10 said this. He's talking to his wife. And Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we only accept good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. You guys see that? Why? Because, listen, there are he actually reverses it, but I know there are trials in our lives, Rosa. There are going to be some... There, there, life is hard. Life is tough. Being a Christian... But he also blesses us in the same way. And there are times when we take sufferings from the Lord and we go, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. We can also take the blessings. It's okay. And he does above and beyond so what do we see next? We see that Jacob actually blesses Pharaoh. Look at verse 7, guys. You with me? Then Joseph brought his father Jacob, and he sent him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Underline that in your Bibles. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of my years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. If you and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days and the years of the life of my father these days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out before Pharaoh. Now, let's unpack this, okay? The very first thing is we see an elderly dead coming to meet with the most powerful men in the world. That's the first thing, okay? Jacob is, is old, and he's probably wobbly, and they bring him in. Right? And what is the first thing he do? He blesses Pharaoh. He blesses Pharaoh. Now you go, yeah, way to go, Jacob. But, but, but wait, 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 wait. Listen, you guys understand that, that with Jacob blessing Pharaoh, it could have implied, it could have implied superiority according to the customs mentioned in Hebrew 7. Right? Where it says the lesser will be blessed by the greater. But I'm wondering if Pharaoh allowed it because Jacob was the father of Joseph, the man who they said saved Egypt. That's the first thing. And also, note, guys, when Jacob blesses Pharaoh, he did exactly what God wanted him to do. He wanted him and Isaac and Abraham to become a blessing to the world. So he comes in and he says, the Lord bless you. And Pharaoh's like, okay, I'll, I'll take it because, man. But, but the second thing that stands out to this, guys, is notice that, and here's what I want you to see. He recounts, guys, his pilgrimage. 130 are the years of my pilgrimage. And he, he didn't say, this is how old I am. Why did he say pilgrimage? 
Here's why. Guys, think about this, right? This means, as it jumps out in the Hebrew text, this means that he is on a journey, and his real home is heaven. And I think, whoa, what a great way to look at life. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey. My real home is heaven, but I'm just on a journey. Okay? That's what we got to do. And right now, he's 130 years old, so it's been quite a journey. Okay? But here's what I thought. I thought, we're all on a pilgrimage. But I've got to ask you a question. What are you doing with your journey? What are you doing with your journey? That's all you got. From the day you were born till the day you died. This is your journey. It's your journey. And I thought, what are you doing? How are you spending the years of your pilgrimage? We see so many people spending the years of their pilgrimage bitter and awful and sad and lonely. And they spent all of their life pushing people away, and when they get old, they go, how come nobody comes around? How do you want to spend your journey? What do you want people to say about you when, you, when, when, when you're gone? What do you want people to say? Oh, he was, he hugged a little bit longer. <laughs> I can't, I, he yelled across the room, I love you, I love you, I love you. I mean, I don't know. What do you want people to say? Here's what I want them to say. Man, he loved Jesus and he loved people. He wasn't perfect by any sense, by any means. He wasn't perfect, but The Bible says, guys, as we grow with Jesus, that we should be sweeter, sanctified sweeter. We should be at, at more grace on people. Not, not bitter and ugly and mean. You kids, stay off my lawn, you know, kind of thing. But we have grace. We tend to, we look at people and we start recognizing, man, they just, man, I remember when I was young like that. I remember when I met, I remember when I used to do crazy things. <laughs> I pray they grow out of it. But well, Joseph goes on and he says in verse 11, guys, and Joseph situated his father and his brothers and he gave him a possession of the land of Egypt, the best in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his household with bread according to the number of his families. And, and I thought, you know what? The family is set up with all that Joseph gave them, and he also provided for them. And the family looked to Joseph as a source of provision and supply. What a great application, right? Why? Because who should be your provision and your supply? The Lord Jesus. I was very, very young, and I had to learn that the hard way. I thought my boss, my job was my provision and my supply. I can't make them mad. I got I to work really hard. And my wife said, you know what? God is your provider. 
Oh. You know why? Because when the time came for me to leave that job, they said, hey, bye, see you then. I thought I was, I thought I was, you know, well, you know, they need me and I need them. They were like, peace. No, God is my provider. And so the scene changes real quick, guys, and it, 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 it taken back to the effects of the famine. Look at verse 13 and 14. Now, there was no bread in all of the land, for famine was very severe. So the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan for the grain which he bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So basically it says, meanwhile, as the famine became so severe, all the money's used up. And the people are starving throughout the lands of Egypt and Canaan. By selling the grain to people, Joseph eventually collected the money of Egypt and Canaan, and he put money into Pharaoh's treasury. Remember when he was going, okay, here's what we should do. Let's make sure we save some, and, and everybody's going to, and, and, and all of a sudden they're going, and I thought, don't you love the wisdom of Joseph? What? Here's the point. It wasn't just a great idea, but it was godly wisdom. Wasn't it, oh, you know, maybe we should save 20% of everything and put it in the... Because you don't know. No, God spoke to him. And essentially, Joseph is carrying and feeding for the Egyptians. All the while, he's making who? He's making, he's making Pharaoh even wealthier. So in the famine, you guys with me? They had to buy bread with all their money. So what happens? Well, eventually they had to sell their cattle. They will have to sell their land. And eventually we'll see that they have to sell themselves. You go, okay, cool. No, 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 no. Let that sink in for just a moment, okay? Because I want you to think about it in light of our current situation. In light of our current this is what happens when the money runs out. See, Joe, Joseph, is eventually going to move them out of the country into the cities because they have nowhere to go. And they are literally going to be Pharaoh's slaves. Because what's going to happen is they're going to go, well, listen, we don't have any more cattle, but we got to eat. We don't have any more land. We sold our land and we got to eat. So now we've become, now the word that comes to mind is control. And I thought, not that Joseph is the government, but I thought, wow. Wow. Now, I want you to put a check mark there, Joe, because when we get to Revelation, we're going to see how we're not going to be able to buy and sell, not us, but the people on earth, not going to be able to, buy, we're going to be gone, but we're not going to be able to buy and sell anything. Let that sink in. Verse 15. So when the money failed, there you go, the land of Egypt was in, and the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread. For why should we die in your presence? For the money failed. Then Joseph said, give your livestock and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph and Joseph gave him bread in exchange for what? The horses, the flocks, the cattle, the herds for all the donkeys. Now, just a quick thought. Who's taking care of these? Oh, wait a minute. 
Pharaoh gave those jobs to Joseph's brothers. Hmm, what a blessing. Thus they fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. When the year had ended, they came to him the next year, and he said to them, We will not hide from my Lord. Our money is gone. My Lord has also has our herds and livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but, but the bodies of our and our lands. Why should we die therefore in your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we will, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, and the land may, may be, may not be desolate. Then Joseph brought all the land of Egypt to Pharaoh. Every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. As far as the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other. Let me just stop right there. It says the money failed. Can I just say this? As I'm reading this, you could say I was a little distracted because the thoughts were coming in my mind, and here's what it was. Guys, let me just say this. I think it's important that we get out of debt. I think it's important that we, we, we get out of debt if we can and we provide savings because we just don't know what can happen. Because I'm saying, the, these, the Egyptians were going, man, they knew a famine was coming, they, but they didn't, they didn't prepare. And so now they sold their cattle, now they sold their lands, now they're going to sell themselves. And I thought, what could we learn? If all possible, we got to get out of debt. And we got to put 20% away for just savings as best we could. And I know people are going, man, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But whatever we can do, whatever we can do, think. We don't want to be caught in a situation like this. Joe, what happens when the money runs out? Well, they, the famine caused what? Job loss. The famine caused economic upheaval. The famine caused fear. And the famine caused unrest. I thought, wow. Wow. Well, it goes on, guys. We don't have time to really delve into this point, but it goes on. It says in verse 22, only the land of the priest that they not buy, for the priest had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate the rations which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day to Pharaoh. Look, here is a seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own as the seed of the field for your food, for those of your household, and for those of your little ones. You guys see this? You go, what happened? Joseph is assured the people that they will still be able to feed their children. He says, now listen, the land belongs to us, but I'm going to let you work it. Here's the seed, and all you have to do is give us 20%, and you guys can keep the rest. You see, although they're the servants for Pharaoh, they're not under the government control because they still get to keep 80%. Now, they don't have the land. They sold the land, so that's not their land, but they still get to farm their land. What an incredible, that's just wisdom. That's just wisdom. And I love Joseph's heart, right? Because he's not going to go, he's not saying, nanny, nanny, but you all going to starve. You get, he says, no, 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 listen, we're all going to make this work because your kids are still going to eat. Your kids are still going to eat. Only the priests were exempt. Okay? 
In verse 25, they said, and they saved, and you saved our lives, they said. And let us find favor in your sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests, which did not become Pharaoh's. Okay? So, beautiful scenario. Now the scene changes back, and it says, okay, let's go back to who? Back to Jacob. Look at verse 27. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt, how many? 17 years. Jacob did? So the length of Jacob's life was 147. 147. Now, guys, put your thinking caps on, okay? Come on, Bible students. Right? Do you remember why... How old, should I say, Joseph was when he was sold into slavery? 17. You go, oh, okay, cool, cool, 17. The Bible just said, now, now here's what I find interesting, okay? The famine is going to be over in five years. Jacob was being blessed in Goshen, so he says he lives there another 17 years. Okay, okay. But I find it interesting that Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery. I find it interesting that it was 17 years after being put in prison that Joseph was made prime minister. And then I find it interesting that Jacob only lived another 17 years before he dies in Egypt. You go, Ben, what's the significance? I don't know. I know tomorrow's the 17th. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and he said, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt. But let me die with my fathers, and you shall carry, carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. And then he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. Now, remember, Israel's too old. Jacob's too old, so he can't literally get down and bow. Okay, But he, he did that. He, he postured himself in, in that gesture. And he says, Okay, do this. I'm about to die. Take don't 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 bury me in Egypt. Don't bury me in Egypt. So let's close. Man, we're early. All right. I know. Talia said, Wow. Throughout this whole chapter, guys, we see blessings. Amen. Blessings in the chapter. And next week, guys, I we're gonna see even more blessing. Okay, real quick preview on the blessing is that the two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, Jacob's going to do the double switch. He's going to bless the younger. And Joseph goes, no, 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 dad, no, 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 you got it wrong, you're blind, you can't see, you're old. But he goes, no, 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 son, this is... 
But I started thinking about blessings. I started thinking about blessings. I'm going to read a poem here in just a second, but, but let me give you a takeaway, okay? Let me take away. Take a moment right now and think how blessed you are in your life. And I know, guys, I know out those doors is, is, is a crazy world. I get it. It's crazy with COVID. It's crazy with Corona. It's crazy with the election. It's crazy with all of this stuff. Would you agree? But let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the blessings that we have. And the first blessing, guys, is that we woke up this morning. And we may be hurting. I get it. It may be rough, but we still, we're still here, Lord. You have a plan for me today. You're still here. That's a blessing. We ate today. I hope all of us ate today, but if we, <laughs> if you, what a blessing that you got to eat. In the world today, there's people who haven't eaten. And they haven't eaten today, and they haven't eaten. What other, what other blessings do we have? We have the blessing of good friends. We have the blessings of kids. We have the blessing that we have the Word of God. Nobody's taken that away from us. But I'm going to close with this poem. I want you to listen to this, okay? Just listen to this. Even though I clutch my blankets and groan when my alarm rings each morning, thank you, Lord, that I can hear. There are those who are deaf. Even though I keep my eyes tightly closed against the morning light as long as possible, thank you, Lord, that I can see there are many who are blind. Even though I huddle in my bed and put off, put off the physical effort of rising, thank you, Lord, that I have the strength to rise. There are those who are bedfast. Even though the first hour of my day is hectic, when socks are lost and toast is burned and tempers are short, Thank you, Lord, for my family. There are many who are lonely. Even though our table never looks like the pictures in the magazines and the menu at times is unbalanced, thank you, Lord, for the food we have. There are many who are hungry. Even though the routine of my job is often monotonous, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to work. There are many who have no work. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for the blessings. We love, 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 Lord, just being able to hang out with Joseph, to see everything, God. My prayer right now, Lord, is that, is that everyone in this room, everyone watching, Online, those that might listen to this podcast, God, would surrender completely to you. And Lord, time is running out, and my plea is really, really simple. Come to Jesus tonight. And many out there are saying, How, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Open up your heart and invite him inside. Confess your sins to him. 
and ask him to come in and cleanse you. Believe in the Lord Jesus with all of your heart and you'll be saved. Confess him. And even tonight, with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe there's somebody here. Maybe there's somebody watching online right now. You were just, you were just scrolling through Facebook, man, and you just stopped. You just stopped. The Holy Spirit said, stop and listen to this. And right now, Lord, this side of heaven, we'll never know, but if you're watching, please surrender your life to Jesus. I know what you're thinking right now. Does God really love me? Let me say this to you right now. God loves you more than you know. And your life is messed up right now, and the issues you have is not your fault, but God loves you very, very much, and you need to turn your life to him. If you're listening by podcast, know that God loves you so much that he's got a plan for your life, and he wants you to come to heaven. Listen, we are to dwell in the land because of Jesus, but you need to open up your heart and invite him inside. And I never want to leave a service without giving you an opportunity here to say yes to Jesus. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anybody here that says, Pastor Ben, I'm not right with Jesus. And to be honest with you, I, if he were to come today, I'm not sure I would go. And I'm a little freaked out, but, but I want to. I want to surrender my life today. I want to recommit my life to him. If that's you, will you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? I don't know where you are, but I just, I just want to give you an opportunity. God bless you, sister. Good move. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. Father, I thank you for, for my precious sister that just raised her hand and said, yes, today I want to be right with you. So, sister, if you raised your hand and your heart is prepared, just pray a prayer something like this. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. It's no mistake I'm here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I repent of my sins. I turn away from them. I renounce them. I ask you to forgive me, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry. You and only you I belong to. And so... From this moment forward, from this day forward, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. But I need your help. I can't do it alone, Lord. I mess up when I do it alone. So I'm asking you to come into my heart and be my Lord and be my God, be my Savior and be my friend. I choose to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And by the authority and the word of God, the Lord Jesus has just washed you clean, white as snow, and you're his. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, 
please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.